so welcome back everyone and those of you who've been here for the last few months will know the style what we're going to do is we're going to have about 25 minutes or so um, of a kind of classic talk or sermon and then after that there's chance for maybe 20 minutes or so if people have got any questions any thoughts um, you can bring those that's absolutely fine so welcome back first of all to the sermon on the mount um, we've had a couple of weeks off and we've focused specifically on Easter. That was really deliberate. We focused on the amazing story of Jesus dying for us, rising from the dead so that we could have eternal life, full access to God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit starting right now. So much as the Sermon on the Mount is an awesome thing to study, I think it's well worth having a couple of weeks off just to focus on that amazing thing um, that God has done for us. We're now back in Matthew. We're in chapter seven. And the sad news for all of you is we've got three proper talks left before Katie and I do a couple of weeks wrapping up the sermon on, on in time for Pentecost. So we've got three talks. Um, and as always, before we really go into this talk, I think it's a good idea just to remind ourselves where we are. So before Easter, we started chapter seven with a talk from Rob. And Rob kicked off by talking about the passage that says right at the start of chapter seven, do not judge others. That's the NIV heading. Um, and Rob then shared a number of ways in which it's important that we don't judge others, um, but also some excellent ways in which there are times when we do need to make a call about whether something is right, about what we think about something, about whether we want to associate either with a thing, with an idea, or with a person. Um, and that sets us up really nicely for the idea that judging whether something is good or bad isn't always bad. Sometimes making a judgment about something is really wise and really important. So that was Rob's talk. And then Lynn spoke the next week about Jesus's words in chapter seven, ask, seek and knock. And she made it really clear that these are active present participles, which is a very exciting um, phrase in the English language. What it basically means is that these are verbs which are written in a way that are continuous. So when in that passage, Jesus says, ask God, seek the kingdom, knock at the door, they're present, they're continuous, they're ongoing. They're not single one-off actions. They are keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking at the door. And the essence of this, like any relationship, is it's a constant communing with God. So what that passage about asking and seeking and knocking is saying to us is God is a good, good father. He is worth coming to every day with our needs. He wants us to come and ask him for the things that we need in our life. It's not something that he finds irritating or frustrating or annoying. He wants that living, constant communion with us. And then Mike did the last sermon on the Sermon on the Mount when he spoke about the narrow and the wide gates. And he urged us to follow 
the less worn path, to take the harder option, to focus on a daily, constant, continual basis on picking up our cross, following Jesus, however hard that sometimes is. So those are the three sermons that have led us to verse 15 and the last of our three talks in the Sermon on the Mount. And what's interesting now is that we can see in the New International Version, um, verses 15 to 20 are called true and false prophets. Then the next section from 21 is called true and false disciples. And the final bit in the Sermon on the Mount is wise and foolish builders, um, which has already had a bit of a battle over because the wise and the foolish builders is one of the most awesome passages in the whole sermon. Um, hopefully I'm going to stick with it, but it may be given away at some point to someone else um, as a small concession. However, the point here is these are comparisons. Mike said there's narrow and wide gates. Obviously, Jesus said it, but Mike also said it. Then we've got true and false prophets. We've got true and false disciples. We've got wise and foolish builders. These are comparisons. And I want you to bear that in mind because this is about choose the right way. Choose life, not death. Choose the harder route, but the one that leads to eternal life. So throughout these last three sermons, we're going to be given contrasts. Don't be like this, be like that. But before I read through um, this passage, chapter 7, 15 to 20, I just want to pick up on a theme from this morning because I think it's really relevant. First of all, Rich asked us and some of us brought sheep to the party. So Rich drew a sheep that looks a bit like a bull. We saw Poppy with a little sheep there. We saw some other people, Annabelle, who'd drawn some sheep. And then Chris, not quite sure about whether she was going to um, play the whole thing, but she played something called the Lord's My Shepherd. And she played that verse from Psalm 23, and it went on and it explored and it got deeper and bigger about how God is a shepherd. And I want to line this up because while I was thinking and preparing for the sermon and talking to Rich and Katie yesterday, I was on a mountain and I was looking at lots of sheep. And at one point I was counting the sheep. And Jesus, of course, says, I'm a good shepherd. We're the sheep of his pasture. And for some of us, that message about sheep and the good shepherd is really, really crucial for today. So prophetically, because this is about prophets, I want to share with you the idea of God as a good shepherd, as Jesus as a good shepherd, and of us trusting like sheep that he will lead us into green pastures. He will not let us down. He will comfort us. He will correct us. We can trust him. And this theme is something that's going to come through verses 15 to 20. You can trust him. He will not let you down. And as we heard from Rob just a few minutes ago, you can approach him with freedom and with confidence, knowing he will not let you down. So this passage today, 15 to 20, 
is all about how we can tell true and false prophets. And this is what the NIV says. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will know them. You will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Actually, do any of us pick grapes or figs at all? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. So I think the first thing to say about this, this passage is there's a very clear warning. Verse 15 starts off, watch out for false prophets. And I want to start off by saying something about prophets here, because we clearly think we know what prophets are. We believe maybe we've got one or two of them in our midst in the church, and we're used to prophets bringing words from God. But what I want to share is that the word here, prophet, is probably broader than this. It probably encompasses the idea of shepherd and possibly the idea of leader too. So what this is really saying is look out for prophets, leaders, shepherds, those people who are bringing words to you, bringing teaching to you, who are sharing ideas with you. Be careful about trusting in those people who inwardly are wolves, even though they look nice and soft like sheep on the outside. Now, this idea of false prophets is really common in the Bible. It goes right back to the Old Testament. And those of you who know a little bit about either Old Testament or New Testament history will know that there were lots of prophets, lots of speakers, lots of leaders who would come along and who would share things about the future or things about people's lives. And they would make predictions. One of the most prominent Old Testament reference to false prophets is in Jeremiah chapter 23. And I'm going to share a little bit about this because it's got two or three different things that we can learn about it. So the first one is that the Lord in Isaiah in Jeremiah 23 talks about false prophets and says they fill you with false hopes. They speak visions from their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They keep saying to those who despise me, the Lord says you will have peace. And to all who follow the stubbornness of their hearts, they say no harm will come to you. So I think what Jeremiah is saying that a false prophet seems to speak positive words but they're not in contact with the living God, with Yahweh, and their lives don't match their words. They are blasphemous, they're adulterous. And what Jeremiah seems to be saying is that the prophets are spiritual leaders who are self-serving. The thing that makes God so angry, the thing that makes Jesus so angry about them, which you can feel coming through this passage, 
is that they pretend to be in contact with God, but they are not living lives. They are not in those secret places trying desperately to serve the living God. And so we can see that in chapter 23 of Jeremiah, there's a really strong message here. Woe to those shepherds who are destroying, scattering the sheep of my pasture. So you can see sheep coming at us again. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says to the shepherds who tend my people. Because you've scattered my flock, you've driven them away. You've not bestowed care on them. I will bestow punishment on you for the evil you've done. So God hates false prophets because they claim to speak for him. Their motives are impure and their lives don't match their words. The first thing we can take from this then is that if we are going to claim to speak from God, we need to make sure that our motives are pure and that our lives match as much as possible our words. But the bit that's really interesting for me in Jeremiah is that, as we know, Jeremiah is a prophet, and Jeremiah shares a fascinating bit here about God's shepherd heart. In verse 3 of Jeremiah 23, I myself then will gather the remnant of my flock. Out of all the countries where they've been driven, I will bring them back to pasture. They will be fruitful. They will increase in number. I will place true shepherds over them who will tend them. They will no longer be afraid or terrified, nor will any be missing. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch a king who will reign wisely, who will do what is just and right. In those days, Judah will be saved, Israel will live in safety, and this is the name by which he will be called, the Lord, our righteous saviour. So that's quite a complicated passage to get hold of, but what I really want to echo is this. When Jesus starts saying, watch out for false prophets, they come to you like sheep, but they're wolves. His followers would have gone, whoa, this reminds us of the prophecy of Jeremiah. They would have gone, whoa, hang on a minute. There's a Jeremiah prophecy that says a shepherd is coming who is going to shepherd in righteousness. They would have started going, hang on, is this Jesus the Messiah who himself is the enactment, the fulfillment, the promise that we heard in Jeremiah. Is Jesus, who is speaking to us now, the perfect good shepherd who's predicted in the Old Testament? So that's really, really exciting. And Jesus's condemnation of the false prophets is the anger of God saying, don't come and say that you're sharing my words if you've got nothing to do with me. There's echoes here, I think, of when Jesus condemns the Pharisees and he calls them whitewashed sepulchres or very nicely presented graves, which inside have got death and destruction. The message for us is really clear. Watch out 
for those people who bring teachings and prophetic words to us, but their messages aren't from God and they've got evil motives. So going back to chapter seven of Matthew, whereas Jesus told us and Rob spoke about not judging others, but leaving judgment to God, in just a few sentences later in this talk, maybe less than two minutes when Jesus is talking on that mountainside, he's saying, watch out, judge people who claim to talk and bring prophecies and bring leadership and bring teaching. So the big question for me is, how on earth do we know who they are? How the heck do we know whether someone is speaking from God, is sharing things from positive motives, or is sharing from an evil place? So Jesus's answer seems really clear. He says, we will know false prophets by their fruit. So as long as I think as we can understand what that means, what their fruit is, then it seems we know when somebody is bringing a good prophecy, a good message, a good sermon, and when they're not. So Jesus gives us a couple of examples. And these are obviously based on things that he had around him when he was sharing. So the Mount of Olives um, is a mountain. The Mount of Beatitudes, as it's now called, is where Jesus was giving this talk. And around them, around the countryside, are grapes, are vines, are fig trees, which is why you hear Jesus using an example of uh, you are the vine, I am the branch, uh, sorry, I am the vine, you are the branches, why he talks a lot about thistles and thorns when he's talking about good fruit. All of these kind of things are messages he can give by just looking around him. So Jesus is saying this bit isn't difficult. Look at the innate nature of the person bringing the message. Look at the life of the prophet, the leader, the shepherd, the teacher. If their lives look like thistles or thorns, you ain't going to get any grapes or figs off them. You're not going to get good things. But if their lives are fruitful, then you will get good things. So what exactly does it mean to look at somebody and know whether they are a grapevine or a thorn bush? How can we tell by looking at somebody whether they are a sheep or a wolf in sheep's clothing, a fig tree or a thistle? So I want to start, first of all, by saying what I think it doesn't mean. Jesus has already said that these prophets are like wolves in sheep's clothing. So if we look at false prophets, they look like sheep. They look nice. So clearly, we can't look at people bringing messages and judge whether their message is solid by whether they look smart, whether they've done their hair, whether they're well-educated, whether they're well-spoken, whether they've got a bit of a tan, whether they're sitting nice and upright. We also can't tell whether somebody's a false prophet by whether their lives seem perfect. You know as well as I do that social media is fantastic at making people's lives look super shiny. 
We can probably do it ourselves if we want. We can get our teeth done. We can get our buttocks, buttocks done, our buttocks done, our breasts done, our hair sorted. Yep, Anthony, I'm afraid so. We can get lovely, shiny houses, lovely, shiny cars, lovely, shiny walls in our houses. But inside, we can be not so clean and holy. And we can all think about famous people on Instagram and Facebook and all of these different social media sites who share their wisdom very, very readily. But inside, we could see that their lives do not match up. So the clue is in the fruit. And I think, as I've said, there's two ways that we can probably tell whether somebody is a true prophet, leader, or worth listening to. The first is linked to Galatians. In Galatians, we read of the fruit of the Spirit. Paul says that if somebody is a believer, then the Holy Spirit comes and lives in them and they produce fruit. And there are nine fruit of the spirit that he lives, lists, which are basically love, joy, peace, monosyllabic, patience, kindness, goodness, duosyllabic, and faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, trisyllables. So just if you ever want to learn the fruit of the spirit easily, you've got love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So we would expect to see in people who are speaking about God, claiming to know God, that their lives show those fruit. Now, I want to be clear that not one Christian leader always shows all those fruit. They might have a moment or a second where they are loving and joyful and patient and kind, but most Christian leaders will know that they are struggling all the time to actually bear that kind of fruit. So Christian leaders do make mistakes. But the point is, there's an authenticity to them. There's a transparency. There's a vulnerability. And there's a willingness to constantly say, I'm seeking the high path, the difficult path, the narrow way, and I'm trying to bear fruit. The second thing is a little bit deeper. Another way that we can see and tell whether a prophet is speaking from God is whether or not what they say rings true. So let's spend a little bit of time thinking about prophets. So we know that true words of knowledge come from God. We know that because they're listed as gifts of the spirit. And we often associate today prophets with people who get words from God. And we love it. We love it when somebody comes, they share a word from God. The words build us up. They ring true in us. They encourage us. They help us to know which direction to go in. They confirm that God is real to us. They help us in those really deep times of doubt and struggle, know that God is there for us. So when the words of a prophet come true time and time again, we can be tempted to think this is a sign that they're being used by God and that we should follow them. And that may well be so. But true prophets, particularly Old Testament prophets and early New Testament prophets, 
are more than people who share specific words of God. There's a much deeper thing to, prof to prophetic lives in the Old and start of the New Testament. Prophets are people who feel deeply, passionately, and from the heart of God. Prophets are people who go out of their way to align themselves with God. They live lives that maybe don't even seem normal. They live in deserts. They live apart from normal humans. And the Old Testament prophets constantly speak not just specific personal words of knowledge, but they speak about justice and mercy. They speak about loosening the chains of oppression, about bringing quality into society, about creating hope for the hopeless, bringing freedom for captives, bringing future for everybody. So the Messiah that is prophesied by Isaiah isn't one who's got a nice word of knowledge about them. The prophet predicts someone who will loose the chains of the oppressed, set captives free, bring sight to the blind. And in speaking these words, there's a ring of truth about Isaiah the prophet, about Jeremiah the prophet, about Micah the prophet, about John the Baptist. You hear and you feel that these are people speaking from the very heart of God. So when Jeremiah says, I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where they've been driven, I'll bring them to pasture, I'll make them fruitful, I'll make them increase in number, I'll place shepherds over them, I'll tend them, they won't be afraid, they won't be terrified, they won't go missing, you can sense the heart of God. Just like in Luke chapter 15, when we hear about the lost coin and the lost son and the lost sheep and the lost um, message from God, it's all about the heart of God seeking out the last, the least and the lost. So I want to say this carefully, and Drew Cromwell and I have had a, a short talk about this. Prophets aren't necessarily easy to be with because they resonate, they ring, they resound with a sense of justice and righteousness. They don't always give us words that make, make us feel great because they are shepherding us they are comforting us, they are prodding us, they are challenging us to live righteous lives which are in tune with the heart of God. So if you take Jonah, who was clearly a prophet, given a word to go to Nineveh, a massive Assyrian city, which we talked about briefly when we were talking about gates, because it's got an enormous gate to get in, Jonah brought a really uncomfortable message and he knew it. The message was repent, change, turn around or God will destroy you. It was a really similar message to John the Baptist's message. Repent, turn around, change so that you can have eternal life. There wasn't much physically about Jonah or John the Baptist or Jeremiah or Isaiah that made them look great. 
but there was this authenticity, this godliness, this deep resonance, this ring about them that made them worth listening to. So the message from Jesus is watch out for false prophets. And therefore, there's a message for us today. Not everything that seems great and clean and tidy and ordered and easy is good and of God. Sometimes the things that we go through are difficult, they're challenging, they're painful. But God is there as a shepherd, even when we go through, as Psalm 23 says, those dark, deep valleys. Even when we're going through those difficult times, we hold on to the truth that comes from the teacher, from the prophet, because it has a resonance from God. So to finish with, essentially, who we choose to follow in life is absolutely crucial. The people that we allow to speak to us will profoundly influence us. So I want to pause for a second and just get you to reflect on who you listen to. It's very easy to say, think about those TV programmes you listen to and the minutes and the hours of stuff that you're listening to there and contrast that with the moments that you listen to men and women of God, prophets of God, preachers of God, sermons from God, positive Christian words, positive Christian friends and um, leaders. Contrast the two and think about whether we are filling our minds and our hearts and our souls with the right words from the right people. Because Jesus is clearly saying that teaching and prophecy are important, but he's also saying, watch out for who we allow to shape us and mould us. Who is making us more like Jesus? Who do we resonate with when we hear them speak? Who do we desperately want to spend more time with so that we know we're being built up and edified even when that is difficult? Several weeks ago, we had a Sunday where we thought about mentors. We talked about advocates. We talked about people who we could look up to who will help us grow in the faith. And one of the things about that message really is similar to what we're saying today. Look for those people whose lives are fruitful. Look for those people who speak the heart of God. Look for those people whose words come true, who will help us to not fall prey to wolves in sheep's clothing and will help us to more easily feel that something is being said or something is being spoken that rings true. Let's surround ourselves with words, with people, with prophets, with teachers, with leaders, with friends, with father and mother figures who are going to move us forward in the faith, help us walk that narrow path, help us enter through the narrow gates and lead us into being true disciples. 
I'm going to just stop there for a moment. And Rich, Katie, I'm just going to ask, is there anything you want to share particularly on that section? Thank, thanks, Julian. Fantastic. Well done. Um, it, it says in 1 Corinthians 15.33, uh, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And the people that we allow to influence is important. Um, and I think that we're, we're encouraged in Matthew, uh, what Julian said is about being responsible for what you think and say about other people. Do not judge. Don't be critical. Uh, don't be slanderous. You know, but in what Julian's saying, it's be responsible for who you listen to and what you do with what you've listened to. It's really important for us to uh, to to get it get it right and recognise who influences us. So I, I just feel that word take responsibility. Jesus is warning us, and so we've got to take responsibility, like not be um, apathetic or indifferent or just let the the things go, but actually be be responsible for who we sit under listen to and and it's okay in that arena to make a judgment and i want to say that anybody uh, whether we like it or not and probably don't like it anyone who speaks publicly is giving other people permission to examine them and to judge them not in a harsh critical way that you have roast preacher for dinner every sunday but in in the sense of going do i really uh trust and value this person so anyone who who does speak is, is opening i believe they're opening themselves up for that right godly judgment yeah. and it should be the case sorry kate go on no about teachers being judged more strictly uh, yeah anyway i could go on but i won't <laughs>